You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. You know, there's a shortage of cardiologists across the nation. The Association of American Medical Colleges predicting that there will be a shortage of over 120,000 cardiologists over the next decade. That's kind of scary to think about. <laughs> Aging population. Well, can computers step in? Can artificial intelligence step in and provide uh, some relief, maybe do a little bit of the work? Heart disease, the number one killer in this country. It's responsible for one in five deaths, they say. There were some reports out of Minnesota at the Mayo Clinic that they're using artificial intelligence to try to screen some heart problems. Well, I'm going to bring in Chris Matthew, get a chance to meet him here online. Chris Matthew is an expert in artificial intelligence. Let me introduce you uh, first as far as your function over this company called Sniffle. What is that, Chris? What do you do? Good morning. Good morning. Sniffle is uh, the country's first AI-driven virtual care platform. We have uh, created a tool that you can you can download for free in the App Store or the Android Store. And there is a, an AI component in there that will help you as a patient really understand where you are in your health journey. It, uh, it's more than just a symptom checker. It's medically curated AI hmm. that has a 95% accuracy in helping you understand what's going on right now with your health care. How, how can you get reliable information just by, by screening, by taking pictures? Because, I mean, outside of blood work, which would probably be more, the, more of a gold standard, uh, how much can be done through images, pictures, maybe other, other type of screening with you know, putting some instruments on, on your body, getting heartbeats and pressure, things like that? Yeah, listen, you're absolutely right. You just you mentioned several things right there that you're absolutely right. Uh, instrumentation, blood work, imaging, and and let's not forget your actual physician being in front of you and, and with you. There's okay. nothing that surpasses that. Okay. In our opinion, continuity of care and relationship with your provider is the most important thing. Our solution, uh, our machine learning language protocol is built on over 14 million patient encounters that have been loaded into it. And then when you add your family medical history, your lifestyle, and then your chief complaint or that first symptom, the AI is able to then lead you through a medical interview. And based on, you know, we could both say that our, our chest hurts, but your family medical history is different than mine. And my lifestyle may be different than yours. And we may be of different demographics and ages. So the AI is going to factor all that in and ask you a set of questions and me a set of questions. But ultimately, the result of those, how we answer those questions leads us down a path where we can return a set of differentials or diagnoses that have that 95% accuracy yeah. rating. That's At that point, we, we encourage you to connect with your physician and share those results and allow them to continue supporting you on your healthcare journey. Yes, sir. With, with such a massive database of all that information that goes into the AI grinder, may with the end, the growth and perfection of this software technology that likely will you know, be an exponential perfection over the next decade or so. And then, for, for example, I'm, I'm thinking of folks who have like diabetes and, and other folks who um, have a more invasive approach to, to checking their condition daily, where they actually get the skin pricked. They get a blood sample, and those tests are perfected even more. I'm thinking maybe within the next decade, uh, a lot of the diagnostics that include blood work will be done as, you know, skin prick, take some blood, 
software, the computer, your smartphone, whatever it is, tablet, you'll be able to do a lot of work for your physician. And I can see where this is a, a brave new world, a brave new uh, medical world we're headed to really quick. Yeah. And, and you know what? It's going to be a lot faster than 10 years from now. Because one of the things you just mentioned there about you know monitoring a diabetic's uh, insulin and, and blood sugar, mm-hmm. continued glucose monitors are available right now. They plug in right into a program into your phone. You can be aware of, you know, a diabetic can be very aware of what they're eating and how it impacts their body. But also that data then can be shared with their physician in real time right now. That's not somewhere off in the future. But when we start taking these technologies along with what is going to come in the future, we're going to be able to help people do more with less. We're going to allow them and empower them to access a healthier life all around because we're going to allow the AI and the advanced tech to do some of the the heavy lifting that um, sometimes people get bogged down with. We have, uh, as predicted by the American Medical Colleges, 120,000 cardiologists will be short 120K in 10 years. We're always short of nurses. And then you got other specialties, other fields, that they're also predicting shortages in medical. AI trying to catch up, providing us more less intrusive and, and faster diagnostics like like you were mentioning right now. I'm thinking kids should probably concentrate on getting some type of technology, computer technology degree, maybe a specialist in, in software development, things like that, instead of getting a medical degree or maybe getting uh, a hybrid of both, something medical, uh, biology as well, but also learn the software because it sounds to me like those specialists will be in high demand in the future. No, no doubt that the, the worlds are going to be interconnected. But I will say this, you know, you mentioned you're right. Uh, the, the Association of uh, American Medical Colleges does project in 10 years we'll be short 120,000 plus cardiologists. In my mind, that tells me we need even more cardiologists. And that's not just true of cardiologists or nurses. The amount of primary care physicians that we need in the country is alarming. We need more people. But here's the reality. More and more people are, are being turned away from pursuing medicine or are retiring early and leaving medicine altogether because of the administrative burdens and, and some of the friction that takes place to be a physician in this country. What if we could use AI and advanced tech to help support providers in their caretaking and help relieve some of the burden? I think not only could you retain more physicians in the workforce and keep them happy, possibly even joyful, you're going to be able to recruit more people to want to join okay. the ranks of the physician workforce. Do the search online for Sniffle. That's the world's first AI-driven virtual care ecosystem. And big thank you to Chris Matthew. Thank you, Chris. This is the Sergio Show. From Mike's Plumbing, Electrical, and AC, my friend Elliot Jones, he's a master plumber. Thanks for taking a few minutes away from your busy workday to talk to us. Uh, what is the temperature outside we need to be um, concerned with? Is it upper 20s, mid 20s? When when do the pipes become an issue? We get everything, we need to get everything wrapped up so that we don't have a water mess. Hey boss, how's it going? Good uh, to, great to, to be you. here with y'all today. Yes, sir. Uh, so those temperatures in which uh, our pipes are going to be at risk of freezing are going to be anything that gets below the 32 Fahrenheit. So anything that drops below 32 degrees, mm-hmm. that's when we're more at risk of freezing pipes at that time. So we're pretty much there, man. We're like a 30 in Edinburgh, Westlake, 31, 30 in Harlingen, 32 McAllen. Brownsville at 33, man. They're getting a blast of cold air, a big old chunk of cold air. So we're at 
the place we need to start thinking of going outside and and wrap with what what what, what do you put that on these things that would be optimum that is at hand all right so uh, the best option is to go to your local home supply store, grab any pipe installation they have, foam pipe installations. You're going to want to wrap that around the pipes. They got a lot of stuff that's very simple, uh, very foamy. Uh, just cut it open with a butter knife. It's so simple. Wrap it around the pipes. Um, for your your hose bibs, they got covers for those. Get you a nice one of those. Throw that on there. If they're all out by this time, grab you a styrofoam cup, styrofoam cup from the supply store. Uh, you know your gas station, something like that. Put on those hose bibs. The sprinkler systems. If you have sprinkler systems, a lot of people in the valley do. Your backflow prevention devices are going to be at risk of freezing. Home Depot and supply stores carry um, carry backflow prevention insulation covers, like a little backpack in sense uh, insulation device that you can put over your backflow preventers. Uh, swimming pools, you got swimming pools. Those supplies to so those are going to be at risk. You're going to want to get those wrapped as well. Hmm. Um, you're going to keep that home thermostat to at least 55 degrees. Don't drop that thing down 55 degrees. Keep the home thermostat running at 55 degrees. Open up all your cabinets, uh, the drawers that are located to the plumbing pipes. Open those things up, which allows those to get some warmer air down there where you have your pipes. Hmm. Um, all the way to you can put water heaters. I mean, not water heaters. You can put your heaters. If you have indoor heaters, little space heaters, you can go put those directly towards your pipes to cool those things down like that. If you know some of the walls, your exterior walls where you have piping, you have a spare uh, little heater. You can go put it over there in that area to warm up the wall to keep it nice and warm. Um, put your, your pipes to a slow trickle. At nighttime, you can have them a slow trickle that lets the water keep moving so it doesn't sit still in the pipe. Or if you want to go extreme, you can. what you can do is at nighttime, shut off the water to the home, run the pipes in the house until there's no more water in the pipes. And that way the pipes are nice and empty overnight time when the temperatures get lower and your pipes aren't freezing up full of water because they're emptied out. That's now, if you do that, make sure uh, you turn off the power to the water heater too in case it gets drained out. We don't want to burn out our elements inside of our water heaters because we drained all the water out of the pipes overnight. Okay. That was, you just took care of a major question. Um, the following morning for whatever water residue was inside the pipe that, got all you know frozen up like how how long should you wait before you turn on the water again to fill up all those pipes in, inside your house to the water to the house you're going to want to just turn them on in the morning when you turn any of the valve on uh if you turned off the main you killed everything to the house and you drain the system down you're just going to slowly turn that valve on uh, we don't want a lot of high pressure going through the pipes while they're still very uh solid and cold so you want to turn it on ease that water flow on there and that water will uh then cause that ice to melt down in time during the day on its own when you were mentioning some of that foam insulation stuff for the pipes outside and you know the where you put the hose and and all that you know what i'm saying the swimming noodles that the kids have right just yes it just looks similar similar to the swimming noodles just like that and if you can't find any of that then uh, a swimming noodle would not be bad uh, to use as well. 
And if you can't find any of that because everybody's done beat you to it, uh-huh. you know, whatever you have, if you got a blanket, a towel, uh-huh. anything you find, you um, it's better than nothing. Get that old ugly comforter you've been wanting to get rid of for the longest time. Just throw it on your uh, your sprinkler little system you have outside or or maybe yes, the sir. pipes outside the house. Uh, anything else before I let you go, brother? I appreciate all the advice. No, man, that, that's going to be about it. Uh, like I said, just keep the water running. Um, cover up your, your, your hose bibs, the water supplies to the pools, yeah. uh, your, your uh, grounds. If you have sprinkler systems, cover up the backflow device. Uh, just keep the house above 55 degrees, um, and you should be, should be pretty good, uh, good off, off that way right there. From Mike's Plumbing, Electrical, and AC, my friend Elliot Jones. He's a master plumber and a trainer. If he's not doing the whole plumbing thing, he can, he's one of those top-trained dudes, uh, one of very few in, in the state of Texas. Uh, what's the number to call over at Mike's Plumbing, Electrical, and AC? God forbid somebody has a busted pipe or something by tomorrow morning, but what's what's the number to call in case I need to call you? 956-686-1353. This is The Sergio Show. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. People who watch money saying one of the leading indicators of economic stress across the nation is how many people will dip into savings, even desperately reach into long-term savings, like 401k plans. It seems that we're seeing some, a strong activity when it comes to that. Maybe it's inflation that's playing into people's monthly finances. He's a financial expert, David Dustin, joining us from North Texas in the Dallas area. Right? You're, you're in the Dallas area, Dave? Yes, sir. How's the weather up there right now, pal? You know, it's a, a brisk, brisk 12, 13 degree yeah. morning. Yeah. But the lights uh, are on, though, right, Dave? The lights are on. Well, ours are. I saw a report yesterday. There were a few thousand people without lights. But, yeah. Uh, for the, I think the ninety-nine percent of us, we have have what we need. Certified financial fiduciary from Money Work Group, David Dustin. So, what do you make of this report? That a lot of people are digging into savings, dipping into savings, even long-term, like four hundred one k plans and and retirement savings. That that sounds pretty desperate. Yeah, it's a, a sign of, of desperation. It's a sign of the times with inflation affecting people's uh, needs uh, for income. And definitely there's ways to to do it properly and ways not to do it. Uh, if you're under 59 and a half, obviously taking money out, you're, you're not only paying income tax, but you're paying a 10% penalty on that money as well. So if you have to do it, uh, you might want to take a look at taking a loan against your 401k if you have to do that. 
It's inflation, uh, right, Dave? Would you say it's it's inflation? The reason people just have not adjusted well, their budgets. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't blame it all on inflation because we have buying decisions, and we're in. We live in such a, a day where people are emotional spenders, and uh, we we want it now, you know, and instead of planning properly, and it's uh, you know, every, everyone's got a function is a function of decisions and buying. That's it, for sure. Many reports say that the market, you know, stocks have lost a lot of value under Joe Biden. But then I heard these reports towards the end of, of last year, record activity, record highs in the market. Which one is it, man? Has, have these stocks, have these retirement you know, funds I, lost a lot of money? Which one I is think it? Over, I think over the last four, last couple of years, you know, a lot of people have seen 20, 22% losses in their uh, retirement accounts. Okay. Um, just depending on how they were positioned and obviously reaching out and having a discussion with a financial professional, a fiduciary that has your best interest in mind is very key, but making sure that you, uh, you understand what's going on in the big picture. And like I said, the report is showing that people are, uh, they, they are accessing their monies in their 401k retirement plans. If you need to do that, you know, maybe taking a loan against it, you have the usually have the ability to do that up to 50% of your value. And one of the things to consider if you're taking money out of your uh, 401k as a loan, uh, you're not really taking it out, you're buying against it or getting a loan against it. Those monies in your 401k were pre-taxed and you're paying back that loan with post-tax dollars. So you got to spread there, you got to overcome as well. I would not recommend doing it unless you absolutely have to. And even in like smaller saving instruments, like these six month or twelve month accounts, you can put money in it. We're at like five percent at some of these financial institutions. You think that number is going to hold this year? No, I don't. As you see, uh, recently we've seen hints that the Fed—it's election year, obviously—so the Fed can't have. Uh, high interest rates necessarily. So we're going to see interest rates probably lowering this year, but you know, all the skeletons come out of the closet after elections are over. Yeah. And uh, with the numbers, with the national debt, I just, I just don't see how we can maintain low interest rates uh, after 2024 uh, with, and still keep up with our national debt. It, it It's way out of control. And, like I said, every if you look back historically, every election year, it's uh, kind of a, a soft sell on finance. So it's uh, jury's still out, but I'm not. A, I don't have a crystal ball, but the numbers just don't make sense. Any advice in this tax season? Now that we're you know, some of these people getting getting their forms here pretty soon, uh, any advice before they uh, prep their their taxes? Uh, this tax season, you know, be sure that you've. Uh, planned appropriately you know failure to plan is a plan to fail i always say sit down with a tax professional and your uh your financial professional if you don't have one get one uh, it's really important to not make emotional decisions about money because it doesn't make emotional decisions about you make sure that you're making clear concise and best interest decisions that are in your interest with money works certified financial fiduciary David Dustin, have a wonderful year, Dave. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you. You too. I appreciate it. Take thank care, you so much. This is the Sergio Show.
start your day with news and interviews important to you with the Valley's morning news. Weekday mornings starting at 6. Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan bring you the latest headlines and hourly discussions with AccuWeather to get you ready for your day and special guest interviews on topics that affect you and your family. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, guys. Well, let's now enjoy the show. It's what you need to start your day. The Valley's morning news with Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan. Weekday mornings starting at 6 on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. If you're tackled by an upper respiratory infection, let's take a look at the to-do list. I'll bring back to the program Dr. Eric Naputi, national thought leader when it comes to health and wellness. Happy New Year, my friend. Good to talk to you again. How was your holiday? Happy, Very good. Happy New Year to you as well. Hope you guys are well. Yeah, all healthy around here. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, but those upper respiratory things are just nasty. So let's say... You suspect, and somebody out there listening suspects that it's coming. And usually you can tell you have like a, a nasty sore throat or you get that weird sensation in, you know, in the back of your nose uh, or maybe you get the chills. Immediately, once you feel stuff like that and you have no idea, it could be the flu, it could be you know, COVID or something else, what do you do? You personally, Dr. What do yeah, you do? great question. Yeah. yeah, I'll tell you exactly what I do and what other health and wellness experts like myself do and what we tell our patients and our families is, look, first of all, don't panic. Know that it's flu and cold season here in North America, and you're going to be exposed to uh, areas of increased viral load. We're just That's the area of the world that we're living in right now. And what can we do? Real simple, what we can do. Number one, start loading up on extra vitamin D3. The average adult should be taking around 5,000 to 10,000 international units of vitamin D3 per day anyway. But if you start feeling some uh, tickle in your throat, respiratory issues, et cetera, uh, what you should be doing then is, is doubling that to 15 to 20,000 IUs a day. Also, hmm. zinc is very beneficial. We know that zinc destroys the ability for viruses to regenerate and replicate, keeping what's known as viral load down. And we know that if you have a lower viral load, that uh, your symptoms are going to be down and you're not going to be as sick for as long a duration. The average uh, American adult should be taking between 25 and 50 milligrams of, uh, of a, a good form of chelated zinc or zinc picolinate or zinc glyconate uh, on a daily basis. But if they have some symptoms kick up, they should double that for about 7 to 14 days to anywhere between 100 to 125 milligrams a day of zinc. Okay. But also, we know that vitamin C is a very strong uh, antioxidant and boosts the immune system. In fact, Linus Pauling won Nobel Prizes on his work with vitamin C. And we know that if you increase your vitamin C, you'll increase your uh, immune system's ability to fight things off. So 3,000 milligrams, two to three times a day of a liposomal vitamin C is, is where we start. And the last thing we recommend right out of the gate is a uh, probiotic supplementation. We found during COVID very powerful studies that showed that people who did better with COVID or didn't get COVID actually had more of a microbe, higher microbe in their GI tract called bifobacterium. So taking a probiotic at bedtime is a very good thing to do. And doubling up on that if you feel sick is a good place to start. And for the respiratory, the last thing for the respiratory aspect is we recommend using nebulizers. 
we have our patients take a nebulizer and put a little bit of, of uh, distilled water, uh, maybe about a third of a teaspoon of hydrogen peroxide, uh, and maybe even a little bit of iodine, four or five drops of iodine. And using that nebulizer for three to five minutes every two to three hours is a really great place to start when you're feeling those symptoms come on. Yes. How much time do you have? Once you start feeling those little tickles and the sore throat and it's just not going away, what would you say? One day, two days? What's the window that you have to punch this in the throat? Great question. Usually within about two to three days is the window that you have to really punch this thing so-called in the throat. Right? Yeah, yeah. You wanna, when you start having those symptoms, you want to get after it quickly because if not, the virus will do what it does. It'll multiply and replicate, and depending upon the strength of your immune system and your other health conditions will determine how long your body has to deal with this. You know, it's, If people know what to do, they shouldn't panic, and they should do the right thing, and it'll help them. I'd recommend uh, Dr. Eric Naputi is my guest. We're talking about upper respiratory infections. Could be COVID, could be flu, could be RSV, whatever. You know, you, you know your body, you know what it's like, and you feel those symptoms coming on behind your nose, you, you swallow, you got that, that soreness, that pain, you know you got something that's going to spread. So you've got about two to three days to kick this thing, double vitamin C, double zinc, dub, double, especially the double vitamin D3. And, and thank you for telling me the window. I was always curious. That was going to be my question. Seven to 14 days, so one to two weeks. you got to keep going every day. Boom, boom, boom. I, I Look, I know this is anecdotal, but with my family – uh, with my kids, I got a CF kid who, by the way, doesn't he's he seems to have like a force field when it comes to the stuff like this. My my older kid who does not have CF, he's sixteen. He, he'll get the flu. In fact, he's like a he's like a sponge. He will pick this up. Maybe he's touching you know uh, uh, girls his age, well you know with poopy hands or something like that. But he'll he'll get a sore throat. He'll get the flu. He gets more sick than my CF kid, but he kicks and you know eventually he'll he'll get over it. But I'm wondering if maybe it's the it's the chest um, vibration, compression, that, that, that thing, that machine that he has. Plus, he's breathing in hypersaline and albuterol like twice a day. I'm wondering if all that stuff just like kicks that stuff away for, for, my, for my CF kid. Uh, but again, the, you, go speak with your doctor, people. Talk with your doctor. What would, what would be the daily dose of vitamin C, D3, and zinc? And then when you start feeling it, I would double that, double that up for about a week or two, and it, it works, brother. With my wife, with with my kids, and other friends who do it, every time, even yours truly, man, I feel it. I pounce on it for about. I used to do it for about a week, so I'm glad you told me it's about a week or two weeks. So I, I would yeah. swear it works, man. It does. And, and nurses and doctors that we've interviewed have said the same thing. If you double up on on those, you know, consume more of that. especially the probiotic, right, goes into your belly. I remember initially reports COVID said that. Uh, uh, that COVID would hide in your belly, in your gut, uh, initially? Well, the, the, the bacteria aspect is huge. I mean, there was a huge study that was done. It was over 600,000 people that were studied, and they found that if individuals did not have the right amount of probiotics in their, in their uh, GI tract, which, by the way, you know, your bacteria makes up about 70 to 80% of your immune system. And, and there are things in, in our lifestyle, like eating the standard American diet, having too much sugar, processed foods, and there having antibiotics uh, destroy those bacteria. And we know that if you take those supplements, you have a happier, healthier immune system, period. That's what this is all about. It's all about boosting your health and boosting your immune system. You do those things that we talked about regularly, you don't have a whole lot to worry about. You're Real going to do just fine. Real quick, 
that was going to be my last question. Sugar. Because I tell my son, stop eating sugar, son. Lay off the, the treats, lay off the candies, lay off the ice cream, lay off the soda. Now that you're fighting this infection, and, and that helps. And, and How does sugar work into all this, all these diseases? Well, we know, we know that, that about a teaspoon of sugar can compromise the immune system for up to three days in an individual. That's what the data shows. Yikes. And if you think about that, the average American consumes about 125 to 150 pounds of sugar per year. Part of flu and cold season, it's not just flu and cold season, it's that we're eating more sugars and processed carbohydrates during that time of the year, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, etc. Your diet has a huge role with this. If you start to feel sick, stop all the junk food and eat raw organic food for a few days. Yes, and sir. That, that typically helps kick Great it as well. Great advice. How do folks find you online, Dr. Eric? Real simple. You guys can go to our website. It's uh, ericnaputi.com, E-R-I-C-N-E-P-U-T.com, um, and uh, we're happy to help. Looking forward to speaking with you again, Doug. A success in 2024. Thanks for joining us. This is The Sergio Show. Let's jump over to news out of California. So some out there are looking to ban youth tackle football. Tiny J. Powers, Fox News, is following this. So what is their plan, T? Well, this was a proposed ban on youth tackle football. It would have been tackle football for kids under 12. Um, the latest movement on this is we have now learned that uh, Governor Gavin Newsom says he wouldn't sign the bill even if it got to his desk. Now, again, this is not like passed the, the legislature or anything, to be clear. It was uh, it had cleared a legislative committee last week. Uh, it was, as it was looking, like it was going to be up for a vote uh, in the state assembly by before the end of the month. So it had been kind of moving through things, but uh, Gavin Newsom says, you know, he's not going to, he's not going to sign it. Now, the California lawmakers do have the power to override a veto. Uh, that hasn't been done in a very long time. And the, the proposal, the, the, you know, one pro that has proposed this, the assembly member, uh, from Sacramento said he would not bring it up for a vote. So it looks like the whole thing is kind of just going away. Okay. Um, but interestingly enough, when I started looking into this, this story, um, California already regulates youth tackle football. Um, there was a law that went into effect in 2021 that limits teams to just two full contact practices a week uh, with not more than 30 minutes during the regular season. Um, they also, that law also requires youth tackle football coaches to have training on concussions and other head injuries and things like that. So there is actually already uh, a law on the books that does, you know, limit uh, the, the amount of time that sure. they can, they can do that. But, uh, you know, that's, of course, the proposal, of course, was, you know, had, um, you know, would have, would have. The, the, the thinking behind it was yeah. that if the, they banned the tackle football, then the kids would play flag football until 12. I see. Do you know what spurred that latest move out of California that, again, seems to be going nowhere? But was it an injury? Was it a death? Was it an, a tragic incident that spurred this, this proposal to outright ban before age 12. I'm not sure why the assembly member proposed this. Uh, that's, that's a good question. But, you know, at the, as I said, when I was kind of looking into this, um, uh, there have been other, the, the rise of, of, you know, the proposals of this, or at least the talk of proposals of this, has been going on for quite a while, not just there, but like in other states as well. Uh, I know here in New York, there has been some, some talk back and forth on this for probably the last decade. 
Um, it has never really gone anywhere, never gets out of committee or anything. Um, and then another interesting kind of side note for this is there has been a decline uh, in the U.S. of, you know, kids playing uh, high school football anyway. The, uh, the number of teenagers playing high school football in California dropped by 18% between 2015 and 2022. Uh, there was a small increase in 2023, but for the most part, this seems to kind of be going down. There's also a, a broadly uh, in the U.S a decline in youth participation rates in tackle football. Um, this is according to the Aspen Institute's State of Play report. Uh, from 2020 to 2021, participation in tackle football went down nearly 18%. Um, 16, since 2016, according to their numbers, tackle football participation rates for that age group uh, decreased 29%. Flag football rates have gone up 15%. That's since 2016. So yeah. it's not just a pandemic thing. Um, that is a, you know, that is a, seems to be something that, that's changing. And remember, flag football has just been announced as an Olympic sport in 2028. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, so it is growing popularity. Yeah, yeah, it seems to be, it seems to be the thing. <laughs> well, it's pretty much the same thing, except, except for tackle. Uh, if, if you put a little bit of tackle, then you call it rub- rugby again. Did Gavin Newsom explain why he would veto this? Does he have kids playing football? Was, I don't know, somebody, uh, some NFL owner <laughs> or anyone uh, like in an NFL lobby say, uh, Governor, this is not a good idea because uh, these schools are, are farm league you know, for future college and, and then for us. Did anything like that take place? Well, I do know he's a, I think he has four kids. Uh, and I don't know if that, you know, he, he just said that he's, you know, concerned about the health and safety of young athletes, but an outright ban is not the answer. That was his quote. That's how he um, said. He he said that he wasn't he wouldn't have yeah. signed it anyway. Um, but he said this is just doesn't seem to be the the answer. Um, you know, I don't know if okay. you know he didn't come right out and say, "Hey, the NFL got to me, and I'm not going to do that." Yeah, <laughs> uh, and just that's, curious that not, as they were talking about this. Yeah, no, as they were talking this in committee, I'm wondering if somebody showed up with some data or a set of numbers with of injuries, neurological injuries, spinal cord, concussion, brain. Con- that would be the only argument they can make is they're concerned um, of they're concerned with when it comes to brain injuries or or spinal injuries and things like that. That's the only thing. Argue, That's what I see. It would be the only argument that they could make. I wonder how far that made it into committee. All right. Thank you, T. That's Tiny J Powers for Fox News. This is The Sergio Show. News Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. And we mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news on News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have a multiple In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Let's go back to the political sphere real quick and talk about the. Uh, I, I want to talk about the coming uh, primaries, just uh, stuff around the corner, New Hampshire, South Carolina. Victoria Churchill is a commentator with Young Voices. And just gauging your opinion, Victoria, how much longer do you think 
uh, will go on the Republican side before Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley finally give up the ghost and say, okay, do the Vivek Ramaswamy thing and get behind Donald Trump. Let's go. Everybody march in the same direction. You willing to take a guess on when that might happen? Well, I think we've definitely got some interesting events coming up. Obviously, New Hampshire is coming up next Tuesday. Then we have South Carolina, which is Nikki Haley's home state. So I think she probably stays in at least through South Carolina. Um, And, you know, I think if she were to not do well in South Carolina, I think that would probably be the end of the road for her. Um, you know, I'm I'm on press list for both DeSantis and Haley teams, and they were really, even before the results of the Iowa caucus, they were both getting ready to tout second place as a victory. And obviously that's kind of what we saw, <laughs> even though they didn't both get second place. One of them came with eight delegates. One of them came out with seven um, out of the 40 that were up for grabs in Iowa with former President Trump getting double the amount of both of them, right, um, individually, because he came home with 20 delegates. And that's, you know, after hundreds, if not thousands of hours that both Haley and DeSantis spent in Iowa, right? Iowa is a state with 99 counties, so it takes a lot of time to hit every single one of them, a lot of money. And, you know, when talking about the money, they've spent millions of dollars uh, just to come out with second and not really a close second. Um, And so, you know, I I think it'll be interesting to see at what point they're – you know, maybe their donors are not going to give them any more money, right? Like Haley's got the backing of AFP, pretty powerful conservative grassroots group. But at some point, the donor money, I think, is going to dry up if they don't start performing better uh, in the next couple of weeks here. Sure. I was contemplating that with other friends who, you know, just political junkies like I am looking at this from the stands. And they're thinking, well, what I was thinking, and I was bouncing this idea off of them because there's so much dark money. So I don't know where, where Nikki Haley's getting her money from. I don't think all of us can uh, truly define outside of some of the uh, war ink money that might be coming in, international money that might be bleeding into her ca- campaign. That's my biggest red flag when it comes to Nikki Haley. And anybody that wants to spoil the election or I mean mess with the election of, of Donald Trump, they might fund her just to stay in there all the way to the convention to be a thorn in the side. I see this compared to what I say. I think it's fact. Um, the Trump base is not moving. We Donald Trump has a fifty-some-odd point lead among these, you know, strong political names, but weak challengers. It's been a done deal for the longest time. Wouldn't it benefit the Republican movement, the quasi-conservative movement? Wouldn't, wouldn't it benefit this effort to retake the White House and hopefully? put some coattails to it, retake, uh, keep the House, and retake the Senate by unifying now and properly unifying right now when it comes to the weak economy, inflation that is crazy, people still feeling feeling that pain, and the border situation that Joe Biden has made a mess of. I think the time is now to come together, lock arms, march in one direction, just like the Democrats do. Boy, they're perfect when it comes to unifying. I think we need to tear a page from that book and unify now. What do you say to that? Well, you know, I I think Republicans have been afforded a very robust debate, um, especially when we had, you know, close, you know, over half a dozen, you know, I think at one point it was like seven or eight candidates up on the stage in last August and September and October. We had robust debates on policy. We haven't had that in the past couple of debates. Now it's turned into kind of cult of personality, attacks on personality, not really attacks on record. 
And so I think now that we've had the robust policy debates and um, the, the thing that's interesting to me is looking at, I guess, kind of the exit polling that was coming out of Iowa, the top issues that drove people to the caucuses to support Donald Trump, you know, despite it being like the coldest caucus on record, right? Uh-huh. These were issues of the economy, like you bring up. It's issues like immigration, which first initially drew me to the Trump camp, um, you know, really, I'd say middle of 2016. And that's kind of kept me as a fan of his was his promise to, you know, secure our borders and put money in Americans' pockets first instead of overseas and instead of in the military industrial complex. Like some of the, I would assume, probably presumably Team Haley backers want that, you know, that money, those taxpayer dollars to go. And, you know, even though people like to criticize Trump's record from his first term as president, for the people that are going out and supporting him, he is actually winning on policy. Um, which I think is really interesting. And so if he is winning on policy, especially in these key issue areas that have been top of mind for voters, you know, immigration, the economy are things that I personally comment on really all the time. Like, yes, I'm a political commentator, but I still like to base it in the issues. And so if Trump is winning on those key issues and voters are telling the other candidates that, I think that is yeah, kind of even more asleep. of a stronger signal for them to get out of the race. I hope I hope they do soon because we got to unify and that national part of the GOP and that feckless leader, I, I still don't see any leadership that's is making a, uh, any difference whatsoever right now where they should be messing. I'm talking about Ronald McDonald, Ronald McDaniel, and all these chair people from all these states. And they've got deep pockets. They just make some phone calls. They should be galvanizing voter registration only, in my opinion. They, they only need to focus on swing states. That's it. They've got about a half dozen or more. Swing states to focus on voter registration and massive just carpet bomb with advertising to all voters, all media, the issues. The border is a mess. Use all the video. Use all the disgusting pictures from the border and, of course, inflation. And take those numbers home. They should be doing that right now. No leadership whatsoever. There's no reason we should be talking about not winning the Senate or losing the House. It's just, yet again, like a leadership at, at the Republican Party. Victoria, thank you for listening to me. Thank you for joining us on the show. From Young Voices, Victoria Churchill. This is The Sergio Show.